Haunts R Us, the podcast that's haunted on Maine. I'm your host, Chief, and today I'm joined by a special guest. You just heard his music. His name is Cross. Cross, tell the audience about yourself. Hello, I'm Cross. Um, that's what everyone calls me. I'm a musician and I like to play uh, heavy metal. Um, mostly guitar. What other other instruments I can play? Yeah. So you actually created the theme for Han Saras. And I know that you had some really nice things to say about the original artist, Donk Monk. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's this name he goes by is Donk Monk on YouTube. Check out. he's uh, He's been publishing a little bit more music here and there. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, what do you call it? I, I like spooky kind of music. Uh, like, you know, for me, I think of like Luigi's Mansion mm-hmm. or um, I was just uh, listening to the soundtrack to one of my favorite video games called Grab by the Ghoulies. Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of like spooky haunted music. Uh, I love it. And so when I heard your theme song, I'm like, yeah, this is great, but let me rip a guitar over this, you know. Make it heavy. Make it it metal. Yeah. So yeah, that's, this is, this is Cross. Can you, what's the name of your band? Placate. Cross from Placate. Uh, You gotta, I know that you have a couple of stuff on Spotify if you want to plug that. Yeah, we just launched, um, we just put out a single. Uh, It's called This Is Possession. This Is Possession by Placate or uh, Placate depending uh, how you want to pronounce it. Blacate. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, we just put out our first single, and we have more singles along the way. So I hope you enjoy. hope you like. Yeah, and we will be playing, uh, what is it? Is it your song called Possession? This is Possession. This is Possession. And we will be playing This is Possession at the end of the podcast. So if you'd like to listen to that, that's one way to do it. Or you could listen to it on Spotify. Hey, fucker. Yeah, put you're it, already on the app. Put it on cue. Just swipe it. Swipe to the right, and it'll put it on cue. Right after this episode, it'll play. Yeah, exactly. Or you can listen to it right now. Turn this fucking shit off. Put it on your <laughs> other device, because you have multiple devices right now. Like, I know. I look at the, I look at the analytics. Computer, and you're probably on I don't, your phone. I don't care if you're fucking driving right now. <laughs> you Pull t- over. <laughs> Pull over. And put my song on. <laughs> Right now. We have technology. We have... skip the green light. Just stay parked. Yeah, just say, okay, Google, play uh, This Is Possession. My phone picked up your voice. (laughs) It never recognizes... No, it's playing. Oh, my God. Yeah. My 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 phone does not react to anyone else's voice. But you you and me have the same voice. We're literally the same fucking guy. We're we're twins. Yeah, I fucking love this guy. <laughs> Everyone. Former, we're former co-workers. Uh, we were twin terrors. Uh, everyone knew our names. Yeah. We also had like the same hair for a while, which was kind <laughs> of crazy. Same person. We're uh, literally twins this... separated from birth. Exactly, dude. We like met each other and we just caused separated chaos. Separated from conception. Yeah, dude fucking love this guy but like I, I like i was saying you go okay google play this is possession by placate yeah yeah exactly anyways speaking of this is possession can you guess what today's episode is possessing things repossession repossession yeah, that's re- right folks <laughs> repo cars <laughs> that's haunted repo no it's not it's not about haunted repo cars i'm so sorry <laughs> Bro, but fucking imagine, dude. Haunted cars do exist. There are stories. 
that's that's that that's a topic for another day that's a topic for another day we'll get on it because i know literally all of you are listening to this on your way home in your car that might might be be haunted yeah don't look at the driver's side window dude he's right there the ghost don't look just don't look i was gonna say don't look through your rear view mirror but i'm guessing most of you don't (laughs) the way y'all be driving y'all drive He's hiding in your turn signal. Oh, you'll never notice. <laughs> He's in your blind spot. <laughs> uh, fucking love this guy, everyone. Cross from Placate. Make sure you check out his band, Placate, which I just said. <laughs> Cross from Placate. From Cross. Can't get enough publicity here. Uh, I get five cents every time she says my band's name. <laughs> Yeah. Right now, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting a large fry. Yeah, man. you, you He's literally just received a single penny. <laughs> <laughs> the music industry is great. Yeah, thanks, Spotify. <laughs> but since I got my big rock and roll friend over here, I decided that we wanted to talk about the satanic panic and metal music. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot to talk about there. Today's episode is about Satanism. And uh, I want to set the scene first. So, when we talk about the Satanic Panic, the Satanic Panic took place around the 80s. But the 70s helped a lot. Because if we think about the 70s, we have uh, the rise of like these, cult- these isolated cults that did ritual killings. Uh, Jonestown happened. That was 70s? I think that was the 70s. Yeah, Should I, wanted, I look it I, up? I want to know what year Jonestown was. So, what year did Jonestown happen? Why does... Why do they need to know my location in order for me to like look something up? It's like, hey, this is pretty sus. Yeah, I need. I, we need to know your location. It's like how to kill a man. It's like, hey, uh, can you give us permission to look at your location? This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. <laughs> Bro, if we keep making jokes, they'll eventually find us too. I hear your voice carrying from a window eventually. <laughs> so we're trying to look at like the year Jones. Nineteen seventy-eight. Seventy-eight is Jonestown. So, so we have things like Jonestown that happened in the seventies. We have the rise of cults, and then we also have a couple of famous serial killers. And I want to remind everyone that this is not a true crime podcast, but. Um, this era was marked by a lot by a lot of like terrible and egregious murders. So we will talk about them, but we will not talk about them at length. Uh, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but like I personally don't like murder podcasts because I think they can sometimes be like a little bit disrespectful, especially like since this is the '80s, a lot of those folks are still alive. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because one of the big, one of the big uh, serial killers of like the seventies was Dahmer, and like the people that the his the people he killed are dead, obviously. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, <clears throat> this is such a dumb thing to say. This is why we don't do this shit live. Alrighty. <laughs> this is why I don't talk about I think fucking the first, murder. I think this whole beginning section is just gonna get cut. Yeah, I think, like the whole thing. We should just start over. Today, this episode is gonna be about the Satanic Panic. No, prominent in the eight. Prominent? No. What is this? People don't fucking listen to this podcast to, to retrieve information. They listen to it so that way they don't fall asleep behind the wheel, bro. <laughs> Well, all right, so it was prominent in the 80s and obviously had some upbringing in the 70s, but the 80s is 
far as I did my quick research, uh, that's when it was more media. It was mm-hmm. more in the media, and it caused kind of like a witch hunt mm-hmm. kind of situation. It caused like a crazy 80s. hysteria. Mm-hmm. I also like to think say like I have like a like a fucking spiritual connection to the seventies, bro. Like I feel <laughs> like, like you're from the seventies. Yeah, like bro, people will talk about past lives, and then they're just like, "Oh, I was in ancient Egypt, or I was a Native American," and I'm just like. I was from the fucking 70s, dude. <laughs> I feel like I was like maybe like late 70s. That's where my spiritual connection is. Because mm-hmm. like 80s, I love the 80s because of like 80s metal and all that kind of culture and stuff. But uh, kind of like I love seeing where it started and mm-hmm. like in the late 70s when that started to get in motion and stuff like that. So yeah, I have a big spiritual connection to the set. Plus I love the fashion. yeah. And then you could just be like Fashion a weird pervert man. <laughs> it was a good time to be a man and alive. I like to think I was a male in my past life. I just feel I it. See it. I feel it. Yeah. I, can see it. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that I was a really like disgusting pervert man. And like I gave in to my vices. Like I, I probably like did cocaine since we're all twins. that. Like, last minute, we traded our chromosomes, and then you came out woman, I came out man. Yeah, man. Like, I got, like, my... What is it called? I got my fucking weird punishment for being a bad man, and now I was born as a woman. (laughs) Maybe we knew each other in our past lives, bro. Yeah. Maybe we were drug buddies, bro. Drug buddies from the 70s. Oh, my God. That's why we get along so well, dude. It was just like, bro, I used to do drugs with this guy. Way back when. Yeah, we used to snort cocaine together. (laughs) That was us, dude. That's us. Yeah, look at me, straight edge in the Yeah, that's what happened. Like, you got the trauma from your past life. I learned my lesson. I cleaned up my act in the next life. Yeah, sometimes you clean up your act. Like, now I'm like a big feminist and shit. Like, we cleaned up our, our act. We cleaned up, yeah. Yeah, like, the cycle of Samsara. Like, she definitely knows what's up. Like, she knows what's happening. Like... <laughs> What was I saying? <laughs> satanic panic. Oh, satanic panic, bro. I was there, bro. <laughs> you caused it. Oh my god. I was in my past life, I was totally there. <laughs> and we were there together. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm glad that bit went over while I wasn't sure at first if I should mention that. But anyways, the 80s, satanic panic. So, we have Mr. Anton LaVey. I don't know how to say his name. What the heck are you looking at? Anton LaVey. LaVey. Anton? Anton? Like, you could say it roll with no accent. Anton LaVey. Anton LaVey writes the um, Book of Satan. We're not called the Book of Satan, is it? So, the Satanic Bible gets published. What year? Uh, stop. <laughs> In the 80s, bro. Okay. Shut the fuck okay. up. Okay, do it again. One more time. Sorry. I'm going to be asking years on all this stuff. Like, Why are you going to be squeezy? I figured it's relevant. It was like, we when just was... keep going. This happened in the 80s. When? Like, 80s is a 10-year span. So? Happened somewhere around there. Like, it's crazy to think if it happened in 1980, it's like, wow, yeah, I can understand. But if it happened in 1989, it's like, we people, like, did this this late? 
<laughs> oh, hold on, let me look it up. Oh, it was public- published in 1969, so it was the 70s. I mean, 69 is the 60s. 69, bro. <laughs> we went to the moon at the same time. Yeah? Cool. Why do you why do you know that? Are you, are you just like someone that like remembers dates? There was a show called Even Stevens, and I think what was the sister's name? Because Stephen was the boy, right? And mm-hmm. his sister Ren. I don't remember. And she sings a song. We went to the moon in 1969. Uh, something not a year sooner. That's the only reason I remember that is because mm-hmm. she sang a song about it. That's satanic great. Bible. So the Satanic Bible is published in 1969. So that's close to the 70s. So around this time, we start to see a breakdown of tradi- traditional values, whatever that is, because traditional values seem to change every five years. Yeah, is different. tradition to change. Yeah, the traditional whatever. So yeah, there's this real uh, pushback against traditional um Traditional displays, traditional... Yeah. We're talking about, like, it. it's, from what I understand, stems from uh, the free love movement. The dang old hippie. The hippie movement, the We free also love. have the civil rights movement happening, mm-hmm. and then we got the dang gays just dang hanging out. gays. The dang old gays. Trying to be themselves, and just literally, no one will let them. Literally just trying to live their life, so people are just like, dang, this sucks. <laughs> Other people, other people living their lives. I fucking hate this yeah, shit. They're they're not doing as I do. They're not living their lives exactly like I, a white male, am living it, mm. and that makes me really upset. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we talk about the Church of Satan. Uh, I think we're gonna have a whole episode about the Church of Satan. Satan. Uh, for right now, what I will say about the Church of Satan is that it's a lot of. Uh, beliefs about self-actualization. They don't actually believe in Satan. Uh, I have called them edgy atheists in the past. (laughs) That is what they are. Essentially. So from my understanding of like the Church of Satan and the, the Satanic Bible, it's not that these people believe in Satan, that they believe that this being exists. It's more of the idea of this being that, um, from my understanding, is that in the biblical story, uh, Lucifer wants to become God Mm -hmm. or wants to be seen as someone like God gets cast out of heaven along with other fallen angels and he's like i'm your like god super hot and, the whole time and super hot as he's falling from grace mm. very gracefully falling from grace sexually sexually even. falling from grace um like twinkles and sparkles all the way down and then he has his uh fallen angels and he's like i'm gonna be god and you're gonna follow me um and so from what i understand the Satanist movement, that particular Satanist movement is about treating yourself as your own God. You become God mm-hmm. and you become center of your world. And you, how to say, it's kind of like focus on yourself first before mm-hmm. anyone else. Kind of put yourself first. Now, I would love some Satanist to come in and really explain that. But that's my understanding how I've been explained from other people that I know who claim that satanist belief Mm -hmm. so this is just a reflection of like changing values in society like people they're not following their church as closely as they used to you know and it's 
kind of just been happening progressively like there are less churchgoers than there is every year and this creates instills a fear in these institutions that they no longer have believers and they won't no longer get funding oh no they don't get their dang old funding i know people are voting with their wallets i know what the fuck or what they truly believe in and so all of this spins into like this crazy era yeah so everyone's kind of doing their own dang thing uh, there is a couple of celebrities that do end up self-identifying as Satanists. So now we have this group of people out there that are calling themselves Satanist. So that's, it's kind of a crazy time to be alive. Mm-hmm. And and around 1980, you fucking love dates so much. <laughs> Yay, 1980! <laughs> I have a reference for what we're talking about. <laughs> so in 1980, <laughs> there is this uh, this what is now considered a faux autobiography called Michelle Remembers. So Michelle Remembers is... Hold on a minute. Michelle Remembers is this autobiography of Michelle Smith. It's co-authored by her psychiatrist, Lawrence Panzer. So what happened is uh, Miss Michelle Smith, she goes to therapy and then under hypnosis, she talks about all of these crazy things that happened to her. So she talks about just crazy. She talks about how she used to be part of a cult, how they had like ritual sacrifices and ritual orgies and crazy fucked up sex and crazy fucked up ritual killings. And in my personal opinion, I don't know how I feel about hypnosis. I think that if you hypnotize, it's like getting high, you know? Which like, kind it- of what I heard about the hypnosis process is that I think it's like, medication induced a Uh lot of it was and like a lot of it like you're under medications and you're under heavy drugs and then they're trying to evoke memories out of you and the therapist or whoever is kind of almost feeding you the information Mm -hmm. to see if they can get a response they think that they're going to pull out like deep memories out of you that way but maybe subconsciously you're just creating the thoughts that they're putting in your head like from what I've heard about this, the therapists kind of get the person to say whatever they want them to say. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be important later on because we do have this situation where, like, kids are at one point told they there's a specific thing that police want them to say and the kids will say whatever they want to say in order to get those people to go away. You know, police interrogations can be, like, pretty fucking brutal and at some point, they harass you so much where it's just like, you'll just fucking say anything for it to be over with. And on top of um, Michelle Remembers, published in 1980. Yeah. <laughs> we got a year. Yeah. <clears throat> on top of uh, that, like, she also served as one of the... So she was called onto the stand to testify against the famous case of, like, You've heard of it. It's like the daycare that was accused of, like, holding satanic rituals. I was just learning about that daycare. Mm-hmm. Learning daycare. What is the name of the daycare? So it was the McMartin trial. The McMartin trial because of the McMartin daycare, correct? Or is it elementary school or is it a daycare? Do you want me to look up what the daycare was called? I'm sorry. I didn't know you didn't have that in your notes. <laughs> I was just, we're just going. I'll do the research. <laughs> Like, uh, what, you want to be a oh, you want to know like the place and everything? Okay. 
I wanted to talk about that a lot. That, that was like kind of a big point that I wanted to... The McMartin preschool trial. So the McMartin was in the 19... 19- it just says an abuse case of the 1980s. It don't have a specific year. <laughs> and it was in Los Angeles. <clears throat> so... She was pivotal in the McMartin trial. McMartin was a daycare that was like in LA. It was around 1983s where they got like the first accusations. Mm -hmm. So uh, as I said, this isn't a true crime show. So I'll just give you like the wet and dirty version of it. (laughs) As we always do, Hansaras is known for their wet and dirty use of facts and information. The McMartin uh, preschool trial. So... How it seems to start out is a woman claims that her child was being sexually abused from a teacher there at the school. Some staff on school. I don't know if it was a teacher, but it was a staff on school. And she brings it up to the police and says that they're, they're you know, sexually abusing my kid there. And also brings up that the kid saw some horrendous things that was there Mm -hmm. and is telling the mom. So the police go open an investigation and it's just this thing that snowballs really fast where um, she's claiming that all these horrendous things have happened to her kid, but the police get involved and they got to start doing an investigation, but they're taking a lot of things being said at face value. Mm -hmm. And so it's just this lady claiming this and so they go and they ask the kid, like, what happened? Did this happen to you? Did this not happen to you and stuff? And, you know, you're asking a kid a lot of real serious adult questions and the kid doesn't really, may not even understand what you're asking them, what being sodomized means or anything mm-hmm. like that. Or did they touch you in the wrong place? Or are they doing, like, rituals and stuff there? So how it just kind of snowballs, you know, to sum it up real quick is that, a kid starts like saying, oh, yeah, yeah, this happened, that happened. And then they start asking other kids, hey, kids, did any of this happen to you? And they keep asking more and more kids because they're like, there, there must be something going on. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this, you know, we wouldn't be talking about it if something wasn't going on. And the kids are kind of like, oh, we don't know, nothing unusual. We're just kids or we don't know what you're talking about. And then they slowly start speaking up like, yeah, yeah, this, this happened. Yeah, yeah, they're doing these bad things. Yeah, yeah, they're they're torturing people here. Yeah, they're taking us in tunnels underground. Yeah. And so then all of a sudden, all these kids are saying that they're, they're doing these things because there's parents and teachers and police like interrogating them. Mm-hmm, like, yeah. kids, did this happen to you? Tell us yes that it happened. Yeah, and what? it's very leading questions. Like, did people start doing ritual abuse? And like, it's important to note, like at this time, Michelle remembers and Michelle remembers like pretty much kickstarted this thing. So a lot of police officers were told to read that. So that way they knew what ritual murders and sacrifices look like. And there's also, uh, it's now on YouTube, but there is a police training video where there's like a guy who's just like, hey, my name's What's-His-Face. Uh, I used to be a Satanist and let me take you to the park and I'll show you how Satanists make ritual murders oh, here in the public park. A thing that all Satanists do. That's awesome. I'll yeah, watch that video. So, you know, some of the Parks and Recs, like greatest uh, 
what is it called? Some of their greatest uh, fucking patrons are the dang old Satanists. Yeah. But yeah, so the police are pretty much being pumped with like this information and these rumors about like ritual sacrifices and all this fucked up stuff. And they have reason to believe it because we talk about the serial killers of like the 70s that had like a very specific way that they did murder, a very specific way that they would murder people and they would call that ritualistic. But I mean, isn't I, I guess. We'll decide if this joke is too spicy or not. But I mean, like, if you kill a person one way and it works, I mean, why change the fucking... Why change the recipe, why change you know? Why change the recipe? It's Like, if it works, it works, dude. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I make I, I make banana bread and I make it the same every say, way. Banana bread comes out good. Why change the formula? Hey, yeah. I make a good banana bread. Hey, I kill a person. Like, why change the formula? It worked yeah, if, this last time. It worked the same way last time. Yeah, you... It ain't broke. I don't feel like experimenting. <laughs> I don't need any new spice to this. <laughs> yeah. So, we'll, we'll dig into the, the time period, I guess. So, talking about uh, the elementary school. So, it, with the elementary school, it becomes this big investigation. Uh, all these stories of the kids being abused by teachers and staff it it's started with one woman saying her one child was abused by one person and eventually they pried enough uh out of the kids to make the kids say that everyone was involved and there was tunnels and there was sacrifice and it was all evil and uh they even like in the investigations were excavating the ground to find the tunnels that these kids were being pulled through and stuff apparently they would take them through tunnels and do rituals down there and nothing was found they never found any of this stuff they never actually found any signs of abuse all the stories and all the things that came out of it were just taken from face value and there was no evidence to back up that any of these things happened Mm -hmm. uh so essentially it was a complete witch hunt like just saying you're a witch let's burn you at the stakes or let's hang you or something like that Um, that's what was happening with this case where it's just like, let's arrest everyone. Everyone's a sexual abuser, but there was nothing backing it. The lady that kicked off the trial, the whole, the one that started it all, I think later was diagnosed with schizophrenia, Ah. like after that whole thing. Schizophrenia, like you get a lot of crazy delusions and psychosis, uh, I don't know, religious or is it called religious psychosis? Yeah, religious psychosis is something that folks who have that get that a lot. So, you know, psychosis, uh, no judgment to people who are dealing with their mental health, but, like, religious psychosis tends to be one of the more common things. And, like, I've seen, I've known a couple of people that, like, get psychosis and it's, like, pretty gnarly. Like, they'll just have, like, these beliefs that cannot be disproved in their own mind. Uh And they'll just take it as fact. They'll be like, oh, uh... The common one that's like in Hispanic culture is just like I saw the Virgin Mary. Yeah, that's I I would hear that from a lot of people. It's like the Virgin. Heard that one. Yeah, Virgin Mary spoke appeared to me and like spoke to me and she told me this this and that. That's a psychotic episode. Yeah, <laughs> I I love you all of my religious folks and religious family members. But if that happens to you, that's a psychotic episode, baby. Get a carbon monoxide test for your house. Yeah. Like- <laughs> Or dioxide, carbon dioxide, which is so. Yeah, carbon yeah. monoxide. But what's the one where you have to get that? Like, if you start getting halluc, uh, 
hallucinate what's the word hallucinations yeah what's the one that when you start getting hallucinations in your house that you need to get like a carbon monoxide test it might be a carbon monoxide yeah. but monoxide yeah so all you people out there you got the virgin mary talking to you get a carbon monoxide test first also maybe replace your pipes yeah <laughs> right. another thing to note is in the summer of 1984 17-year-old drug dealer and self-proclaimed Satanist Ricky Casso murdered his friend Gary Lauer, Gary, Gary Lauer, Lauer's. Gary Lauer's in the woods of Newport, New York while high on mescaline. I don't even know what that drug is. What is mescaline? I am not the right person to ask about oh, drugs. Oh, I mean, I feel like if in our past lives we would know what that was. <laughs> Back way when in the yeah, 70s. when we met each other originally in the 70s, we would have known what mescaline was. Maybe you was. were the person that dealed to this Maybe guy this that was, was high on. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's not an appropriate joke to make, Nope, I not feel. at all. <laughs> According to the coroner's report, Castle allegedly... Castle allegedly stabbed his friend 36 times and slot And slot Casso allegedly stabbed his friend 36 times and sliced out his eyes, which led to media propagation and the mur- that the murder which led to media propag- which led to media propagation that the murder was real realistic in nature, hyperrealistic even, <laughs> ritualistic in nature. So for months the media presented Casso as a Satanist. They said that he was part of a cult which further fueled the hysteria. He said he was part of the Knights of the Black Circle, was supposedly the name that he was part of. But as we know, the Satanists are not known for being organized, in my experience. So people will talk about like how these folks were part of a cult, but usually it is just an individual who's carrying out this uh, psychosis episode and like does something terrible it happens knights of the black circle is a cool name it is really i'm sure cool there's name. a band out there that that's what it's like got. you could steal it bro I'm, I'm gonna look it up that'd be a bad thing to steal but yeah <laughs> what do you call um so during his uh trial um actually well it, what's the part where it says he's wearing an acdc shirt yeah oh so when he was arrested he's wearing an acdc shirt and mm-hmm. immediately Fingers start pointing to things like that. Like, you know, the kid's going to go out. He's going to murder someone. He's going to be high on drugs. He's going to say he's a Satanist. Um, and then he's wearing like an ACDC t-shirt. You're going to make, um, you know, affiliations with those kind of things. Um, it's unfortunate that that's the way it was going to go. That, you know, rock music was going to get blamed for a lot of this kind of satanic panic stuff. Um, I, I think this guy was also a fan of Ozzy. I think mm-hmm. they quote a lot about Ozzy and Judas Priest. And, you know, it's unfortunate that that is what got targeted by it. it that people were going to say it was rock music that had to have had a big influence on this guy. I mean, yeah, he could have liked rock music. He could have liked any kind of music, but he mm-hmm. liked rock music. But also at the same time, I do have to admit that rock music didn't do anything to help themselves mm-hmm. because it was all about dark imagery. It was all about kind of evil and wickedness. Uh, but it was just like, you know, the form of art, you know, you, you would listen to pop music and pop music's not going about, not going to be about fighting inner demons or drug abuse or stuff like that. At least maybe not at the time or maybe not the super big pop hits. 
Um, but rock artists were talking about that. They were talking about negative things and dark things. And mm-hmm. uh, it was just a way of expressing art. But then you have like actual evil things happening. And of course, people are going to look at the first thing that relates to that. And yeah, like Mr. Ozzy Osbourne, who's singing about some pretty dark stuff. And then here's this kid who's a fan of Ozzy, goes, does dark stuff. And you're going to think, well, it's because Ozzy said so, mm-hmm. you know. So it's a real unfortunate thing that I got to say, if let's just if I put myself back in that situation and I heard that this kid murdered his friend and he's a self-proclaimed Satanist and he's, you know, kind of spewing this nonsense about this, I would even look like, well, you know, there's these like scary music people out there. Like, yeah, yeah, ACDC's one of them. They're one of them scary people. They, they play the loud, scary music. So unfortunate that they got you know pinned for that and mm-hmm. started getting attention their way but at the same time they weren't doing anything to help themselves yeah they also called acd so there's like actually it stands for anti-christ devil child that's amazing i've never heard that what does acdc actually stand for though? it's the electrical currents it's uh like your ac and your dc uh like the it's it's an electrical term right I, I, that's fucking boring as shit <laughs> And, you know, okay, and then, like, yeah, it, it, it literally comes, like, if you look at, like, um, like a, an electronic, it'll say, like, it's DC output or it's AC output input or something like that. It just has to do with electrical current, which is why, like, ACDC has, like, the lightning bolt as their logo oh. for everything. Uh, also funny, because they're from Australia. Um, ACDC is Australian? They're Australian. That means they're bastards, dude. Yeah. That's how I um, feel about Australian people. <laughs> ACDC was also, from what I understand, a slang for being 50-50, which meant, like, kind of being gay, being bisexual. What? So, like, they didn't use it as that, but people were saying, like, oh, they're gay because they're ACDC. They're 50-50. Isn't there a band member that was, like, a big leather daddy, or was that another band? That's Judas Priest. Oh, so that's Judas Priest. You get into Judas daddy. Priest, you have Rob Halford... Who is the leather daddy, like the the guy, mm-hmm. uh, the metal god, as he's referred to as? But yeah, full leather, rolled skin tight clothes. He is very gay. Uh, Hell yeah, yeah. And um, in a way, wearing all that leather and being like that uh, was a way of coming out without mm-hmm. saying that he came out. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because a lot of men saw it as a sign of masculinity. Of, like, the leather and, um, like, chains. There's nothing gay about fucking dudes, bro. Yeah, (laughs) there's nothing gay at all. Uh, And so um, he had to say he made this, like, fashion statement for men and they treated it like a very masculine look. Even though he was doing it because he was gay and kind of expressing his sexuality Mm -hmm. that way. So, funny thing with that. But, um, yeah. And then Judas Priest getting pulled into this, like, satanic thing and stuff like that. It's kind of sad because they sang a lot about like free loving and and stuff like that, and then mm-hmm. they, they they had some pretty more metal stuff, more metal themes, uh, more actiony, violent kind of stuff. But it was never, I wouldn't say their music was ever truly dark, and like I wouldn't feel that their music should be portrayed as scary. It was just mm-hmm. very like rock and roll and loud. I would say like Black Sabbath and Ozzy Osbourne. Their intent was to be kind of more in the horror aspect of things. Mm-hmm. So like Black Sabbath, I could totally understand where you would like hear that and be like, this is scary. 
and like I don't understand or this this scares me. The the idea was like you go you watch a scary movie to get scared. Mm-hmm. Well, what if we made a CD where, or an album, I should say, an album where you get scared? Yeah, and also we're talking about the '80s, so we have Nightmare on Elm Street. We have a lot of the pop horror yeah. icons come out of like, the popping. '80s. Yeah, horror's and popping. so like that only adds fuel to the fire. More fuel to the fire. And uh, speaking of Judas Priest, we actually have an individual that tried to sue Judas Priest. So the story here says that the there was a fear of heavy metal containing lyrics that encouraged people to do bad things. So, in 1985, 20-year-old James Vance tried to sue Judas Priest. After a night of partying, Vance and his friend, 18-year-old Raymond, headed to the local playground and shot themselves. Raymond wouldn't survive the incident, but Vance would go on and file a lawsuit against Judas Priest as he claimed that the... As he claimed that the subliminal messagings within their stained glass album drove him to the act. Is this an album you're familiar with? Stained Glass, uh, not so much. Let me start again. Um, Judas Priest, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Judas Priest. Um, very gay. V- very gay, um, but very manly at the same time. Nothing gay about fucking dudes, bro. <laughs> same joke, I gotta tell it three times, yeah. and then it'll be super funny. Go on. <laughs> but anyways, um, so, uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm a fan of Judas Priest, and um, I remember seeing the interviews for this when they were interviewing Rob Halford, or they were interviewing one of the members, and um, I believe it was Rob Halford who was saying, like, so the, the issue was is that people were claiming that there was satanic messages in albums when you played them backwards. So mm-hmm. for whatever reason, you get your turntable and you play the music backwards, and uh, you will hear messages in there in the in the reverse languages, and they would say something demonic. And you could look them up. You can look up all the cases of like Judas Priest or Led Zeppelin where you listen to the records backwards, and it's a stretch. It's an absolute stretch of what you think you're hearing or what you're making out. And even if you hear it and you think like, yeah, actually that does sound like they're saying this thing mm-hmm. in a way. I tell you now, no musician is that smart that they know that they're going to say something and it's going to sound like two different messages forward backwards. At least like with these heavy metal records that these people were ma- making, there was no intent for them to ever be played backwards. There was no intent for subliminal messages and stuff. I think it was Rob Halford who said on record, uh, I wouldn't have put or we wouldn't we didn't put any like satanic messages or anything. If we were to put a subliminal message we would put buy more records. Yeah. You know, because it wasn't like an intent to like do an occult thing. It was like, hey, we just want to make money off of more records. We're just a band that likes entertaining people. We're doing this all for entertainment. There's no like other motive behind any of this stuff. Um, So it, it's pretty funny to like see people like, I'm sure if you put on every piece of music out there and put it backwards, you're going to hear something eventually out of mm-hmm. all of it, you know. Uh, we people like to hear voices and we like to hear, like, like associate things. If we hear a dog barking off in the distance and we think it sounds like a voice and we try to make out what kind of voice that is or what it's saying and stuff, mm-hmm. like, we're, we're, you know, we're susceptible to that. And so, like, playing music backwards and hearing someone talk, not necessarily in English, you're going to try to make reaches for something in English and stuff. And who's to say someone 
that speaks French or understands French, they're not going to hear something completely different because, Mm -hmm. you know, they have a different dialogue, you know, to reference from. Mm -hmm. And speaking of music, we also have around this time, you know, this music's getting out of whack. At least the conservatives seem to think like we have rock artists that are talking about drugs, sex, rock and roll and all that sort of stuff. It's all it's all on the waves. Like the kids are hearing it. The parents are upset. So in 1985, we got a committee known as the Parents Music Resource and they coined the Filthy 15, which was used as a template to propose new legislation to like essentially like rate music. Nowadays, we have the adult advisory little tag so you know it's not great man i remember eminem having that giant adult advisory on like one of his albums i was 18 when i bought my first explicit album by myself i had been listening to explicit music my dad was getting me all kinds but when i was 18 uh that was a good memory of walking in the store and there was an album called machine fucking head and i'm like yeah and i'm like uh, I, I picked it up and I'm like, wait, I got to ask my dad. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm uh, an adult. You're an and adult. I, I went and I'm like, I put it on the counter at Best Buy. And I'm like, I want this fucking album. And the guy's <laughs> just like looking at me like, sure. Sure. <laughs> he didn't like card me or nothing either. And it was just kind of lame because I wanted to be like, yeah, I'm an adult. I could buy the CD. Kids, they have it too good these days. Fun fact, you, it's actually 17 is the age to buy explicit CDs. Oh, yeah. 17? 17. Nice. Those kids, they could just stream it. They don't check. Yeah, yeah. That's actually an interesting thing to think about that there's no... I guess there is parental advisory on streaming, but there's really not a way... To, like, enforce it. To enforce it at all. Like, Mm -hmm. unless your parent goes into your account and sets it up saying no explicit content, there really isn't a way to monitor that anymore. No, dude. Which is... It, it's tough to say for for the better, for the worse. It'd be for the better if every parent would have a conversation like, look, you're going to hear things that may not be appropriate or things I don't want you to repeat. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have any questions or you just want to know something, come talk to me. But by all means, just know that the music is, you know, it, it, there's going to be some wild stuff that you might hear in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, that'd be a great conversation as a parent to have with kids. But nah, kids are being raised by TikTok, so. Yeah, TikTok's pretty bad, dude. I have it's to really like really bad. I have to like fucking get so, myself off of that shit, dude. It's fucking poisoning me, dude. Yeah, yeah. and and imagine just like kids being raised on it. That's horrible. Mm-mm-mm. That's horrible. 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 But yeah, the so, filthy fifteen. Let's go over them. Yes. All right, let's roast them. All right. Of so the f- these are the songs that. Uh, let's see. The Filthy 15th was used to serve as a template for proposed legislation regarding how albums should be rated, suggesting that they would, they should come with extra warnings with the content pertaining to sex, violence, drugs, alcohol, or the occult. Of the 15 songs, nine were metal. And so here, you know, here are the songs that were proposed, and I'll just kind of talk about them a little bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, Judas Priest, Eat Me Alive, Motley Crue's Bastard, ACDC's let me put my love into you. Twisted Sisters, we're not gonna take it. Wasps, animal, fuck like, like a, a beast. beast. Hell. <laughs> Def Leopards, high and dry. Merciful Fates, into the coven. Black Sabbaths, thrashed and venoms, possessed. Now, looking at this list, I 
I'd like to think of myself as a big heavy metal fan. And I'd like to say, like, you know, I know a lot of this music really well. I know all these bands, but some of these songs are not songs that I know off the top of my head, which is funny. What that tells me is that these aren't like even the most popular songs or like the biggest bangers or anything like that. It This is kind of like deep cuts from yeah. what it looks like. So however this... However, these 15 songs were regarded as like the songs to set the template for, I think is kind of funny. Uh, the one that I think, you know, was a big hit was Twisted Sisters, We're Not Gonna Take It. We're not gonna take it. Yeah. And like that song, no, I, I can't even imagine it. how that one, that must have been like a backwards like recording or something like that. Because the, the message is pretty straightforward. Like, hey, you... Quit pushing your lifestyle on me. We're not going to take it. And I'm setting up against you. Ain't that what they're trying to do? The traditionalists they are just like, well, we don't like when people don't do the thing that we say that they should do. So this song particularly is funny because it's uh, very much about like traditional and conservative views. And this band saying, we're not going to take it. We're not going to be like you and you can't Mm -hmm. enforce that on us. Um, And in this today's age... Um, it was, you know, Twitter, the mess that Twitter is, um, people writing about how that's like the perfect conservative anthem. So conservative people, uh, and I'm not just saying like, like a regular conservative person, I'm talking about like far right kind of people Mm -hmm. who their life and everything is being, um, conservative. Mm -hmm. Um, their, their whole world is that, that, you know, people writing and saying that, oh my God, Twisted Sister wrote the most perfect conservative anthem Mm -hmm. that we're not going to take what the liberals are you know doing to us and we're going to stand up against them but it's funny because that song came from the opposite it's like no they're standing up against your views your people that Mm -hmm. you know your your conservative views and i think they were like writing back and forth between the singer d snyder um d snyder was like laughing at him it's like you think i actually wrote that about conservative views like I I cross dress. That is what I do as a performer. Like I dress as a woman mm-hmm. and stuff. And so there, I think the response is like, you were um, how to say, not possessed is not the right word, but you were um, controlled by God. God mm-hmm. helped you write those words, and then you put that song out there, uh, and that's a message for us. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's been like a funny more recent argument about the song and it it's funny because it's like looking at it here the conservatives were saying this is the evil song mm-hmm. and stay away from this and no one should ever listen to this it and doesn't then even sound that evil I mean, and it's then, not death metal or yeah and then in this day and age the conservatives are like yeah this is our anthem oh, yeah they just like re- just like fucking rage against the museum museum, <laughs> museum. <laughs> rage against, against the-, the museum yeah fuck the museums <laughs> Good just, for nothing. <laughs> just wasting tax dollars. Yeah, exactly. But like, what is it? Rage Against the Museum. Machine! Ma- Rage, Rage Against the Machine with uh, that... Uh, with killing in the Name. Killing in the Name, name of... of. Uh, they like it because it's like that. Fuck you, I ain't gonna do what you tell me. I won't do, do what, what you, you tell me. me. Fuck you, I won't do what you, you tell, tell me. me. And it's like, you know, the, these real 
far right people are just like, oh yeah, that's us. That's us saying <laughs> we won't do what you tell me. The government can't control me and stuff. But just like, like me for real, for real, dude. For real, for real. But then like you know, Rage Against Machine, the famous communist band, and mm-hmm. all that stuff, and was against a lot of these things. These far right people were for so it, it irony, but irony is lost on this. So mm-hmm. it, it's kind of a shame, you know. It, it it it's poetic in a way, and at the same time, it's just it's sad. Mm. so like why do you think heavy metal in particular is like so closely associated because like some of these bands like they do have like they take the symbolism and like they flaunt it or like they try to market themselves as the evil band like nowadays it's a little bit more transparent like we understand what building a brand is like we at Hans or us have like a weird fucking brand that we try to carry <laughs> Uh, and, like, everyone knows it's fucking ironic. Everyone knows it's not real. But, like, back in those days, like, people weren't familiar with, like, this sort of marketing. So, like, when we talk about, like, guerrilla marketing, why do you think, like, these bands would, like, try to adopt something that's dark and satanic and broody? A lot of it was, it you know, it, it roots from just counterculture. Mm-hmm. It, it's, you know... It comes from that conservative Christian moral view where, you know, you have to pray to God, you have to go to church, you have to, you know, follow the rules of the Bible and you can't sway, you can't step away from it, you can't do anything to deviate from it. Um, Having sex before marriage is impure and um, like you should be spending your money here, you shouldn't be buying these things. All, all of that kind of thing, like that, just that parent speaking down to a child, you must behave and you must act this way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, heavy metal, big move of rebellion, you know, heavy metal sprouted a lot from rebellion and like singing and talking about things that are, I guess, taboo. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sex and drugs, you know, people, especially at the time saying, don't do drugs. You're just wasting your life. This is your brain on pot. And, um... Also, like, um, like sex. You shouldn't be having sex, and that's sex filthy. Sex is illegal. Sex is illegal. You shouldn't do You will it. get pregnant, and you will die. Horny people have no rights. <laughs> have no rights, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So, like, the music definitely was about that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, to say, like, you know, let's have sex all the time, and it's great, and loving is great, and I want to make, you know, I want to make love to every woman, you know? And, uh, and then talking about, like, drugs, like, yeah, this is my brain on drugs and I wrote a song about it or this is what it's like to play with this drugs or this is what I saw in my hallucinations or this Mm -hmm. is what I I feel like. I feel invincible and that kind of stuff. Um, Definitely talking about like taboo subjects and making a piece of art out of it. Mm -hmm. And then people, you know, uh, I'll relate it this way. When I was young, um, I didn't swear a lot. Like mm-hmm. I, I was very against swearing because I felt like my parents would tell me, no, don't swear. And that's bad. And I'd get punished for it. And I didn't like it when people uh, were swearing because I just felt like that's icky and you shouldn't be saying those things. And then I remember my dad turning me on to heavy metal. And I think I was like listening to Slipknot. And mm-hmm. not only did I was uncomfortable hearing like the F word, mm-hmm. but to hear it screamed out of like the top of someone's lungs over and over and over again like blew me away because i just felt like this is so wrong what this guy is saying but like he's expressing like 
something that I cannot express. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling like this is awesome because this guy is saying something that I can't say. And he's saying it in a way that I wish I could say it, but I can't Mm -hmm. say it. And so I feel like that connection that I made to that kind of music, um, I've seen it related to other people like, you know, someone, their their parents are like, when are you going to grow up? When are you going to get a real job? And then this guy listened to a song. It's like, yeah, I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. And he's like, dude, there's other people out there that Bro, feel this way. He's just like me for real. He's furry. just like me, man. And you know what? Like, they they tell me, you know, don't don't look gay. Don't wear makeup. Don't be girly. You're a man. Be a man. Mm-hmm. And then here's all these men with perms, with makeup, with glitter, with spandex. And they're very frilly. Mm-hmm. And you know what? But like... They're rocking it, and girls love them. So, you know, I want to like, be a part of that. Yeah, man, that shit ain't gay. That shit ain't gay. That shit ain't gay, bro. That ain't gay at all. <laughs> Let's dress like a woman. Yeah, bro, she looks tight. She looks tight. <laughs> yeah. So what do you call? I had to say, that's kind of where, like, heavy metal takes takes its roots. It's just, like, this rebellious nature where it gets into that dark and like satanic thing or demonic thing, I, I would just refer to it as demonic as more of a broad term. Mm-hmm. That's also because it comes from taboo. Like mm-hmm. you can't talk about those things. You can't talk about like evil or or witchcraft or or even just like like how to say not even like that kind of like spiritualist thing. Talk about like murder. Talk about killing. Talk mm-hmm. about violence. You know. It's so icky to talk about, and like if if I if I was a kid sitting in class and I was just like, man, I just really want to kill someone right now, which like, is a normal teenage thought. To it's have, a normal apparently. teenage thought to have. Like <laughs> like you say it to yourself just to express a feeling, not because mm-hmm. like you actually want to kill somebody or something like that. But you know, you'd be told you're a maniac for mm-hmm. ever saying that. Like I just really want to kill somebody, um, but. Maybe you just say that as a way to get it out of your system. Flush mm-hmm. that thought out and maybe laugh about it. Like, Haha, that sounds deranged, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, that's that's so crazy. Like, when I hear it back to myself. but And then, like, for me, when I listen to, like, music like that, that's, like, talking about, like, violence or something, it's, it's like, cathartic. Mm-hmm. It's just like, man, I've had that thought. It doesn't mean I'd ever act on that thought, but to just hear someone just say the words really in your face it feels good like it releases you it releases those thoughts from you and they're no longer i would say like i feel that a thought like that wouldn't manifest in me anymore it Mm -hmm. got its released it's got its closure yeah man that reminds me i remember had like a brief conversation with my parents-in-law uh we happen to have like they happen to have someone in their family very young who had like experienced a lot of tragedies uh back to back you know when it rains it pours Mm -hmm. so they were going through a hard time and as a result of that they were uh getting into the emo culture Mm. so they were listening to a lot of like my chemical romance they're listening a lot of that stuff and like i remember they were talking about like oh we're really concerned about her because she's listening to all this like sad music and like what if she acts out on it you know this music like my chemical romance in particular like they do talk about like suicide yeah and suicide attempts and killing and killing and but they do it in a very like theatric way so yeah. they do it very over the top very flamboyant yeah. which is what makes them great i yeah. fucking love them yeah well my, my, my second favorite band mm-hmm. my 
And I remember uh, my mother-in-law said something along the lines of like, well, I think maybe you guys should recommend her some happier music. And I felt like low-key a little bit offended because it's like, you want her to be happy that all these bad things happen to her? Like, she's allowed to like express these thoughts and like compartmentalize them. Mm -hmm. It was like, she can't just have it bottled up and like pretend everything's all right because everything was not all right. Yeah. Like she was going through like a really hard time and like dealing with death and all of these things. Yeah. And like at her age, like how are you supposed to like deal with that when no one wants to talk about it? Mm-hmm. Like no one's going to like talk about like how to mourn correctly. Yeah. No oh, just gonna... listen to happy music. Everything's okay. Yeah, Clap your hands, ignore... sing kumbaya. Like... It's very, I don't know, it's very Americanized. I think in American culture, we like to live in a state of denial. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I agree with that. Because, like, in Mexico, like, death is very open. Like, yeah. I think I talk about death in, like, such a casual way that it can be off-putting sometimes. <laughs> and you just got to, man. Like, yeah. you know, it, it makes it easier because it makes it very not a taboo subject. Mm-hmm. Like, we should be able to talk about death and we should be able to talk about mourning and loss and stuff. Because, I mean, honestly, if you don't talk about things... It bottles up. Mm-hmm. It bottles up really bad. So this family member you're talking about getting into like my chemical romance and stuff. Um, you know, like they didn't have a way of coping or talking or something like that. And so like, you know, people are looking for something to relate to. Mm-hmm. When you hear music that's like that, where it's like talking about death and loss and tragedy and stuff. It's just something to relate to. It's like, you know what? I'm going through tragedy and loss and heartbreak and like trying to understand myself and then this person singing about that Mm -hmm. like there's another person out there that gets it that Mm -hmm. knows how to express what i'm feeling that i can't express yeah and i can totally see getting hooked on that i am and then telling someone oh you should just listen to happy music that's that's one of the worst things you could possibly do it's it's very americanized because i know when like americans deal with death this my this is my death and ghost. It real this is really my death podcast. Yeah, you know when we talk about ghosts, uh, we t- we're talking about histories that people don't want to talk about. Mm. So when we talk about like ghost stories and things, it's always like something bad happened here, and like it refuses to be silent. Things are happening because this thing that happened was so bad that it's become a never-ending cycle for these spirits that have to relive it over and over again. A lot of pent-up negative energy. Mm-hmm. We talk know. about negative energies and stuff. Yeah. It, it's funny because, like, I don't... I've never had ghost experiences or ghost stories or anything like that. And when people talk about, like, hauntings and haunted stuff, I, I'm very quick to just, like, you know... Um, dismiss a lot of that Mm -hmm. just because it's you know my perspective I've never seen it never had it watch ghost shows stuff like that but I do believe in like enough pent-up negative energy can manifest something Mm -hmm. so even though I've never seen that it's something that I wouldn't even mess around with just knowing that like hey you know like do I believe that my car is haunted because it's making weird noise no and no matter how much I'm imagining it, no, I don't believe that. But going to a place that had a lot of death, a lot of torture, a lot of, of killing, mm-hmm. and then not, I guess, respecting that kind of thing, um, 
that yeah that that bad things would happen to you because mm-hmm. you're not respecting just this amount of energy that was put out right here. I, I kind of a bastard way to explain what I'm thinking, but yeah. Um, but it, it's just interesting to talk about. Like um, we had a dog. We have a haunted dog. He goes down to that hall. Attacked a gato. And then I found out that the previous owner who passed away did have a pet dog. Did they torture that dog? I don't know. Maybe the dog, uh, spirits can be like very, how do you say, possessive. So mm. like if you're a ghost dog and you see new people in the house that aren't supposed to be there, aren't mm. you going to act out? <laughs> so yeah, definitely the first couple of days I was here was a little bit weird. Yeah, uh, I can imagine that. This person... The last owner of this house passed away in 2017, and we bought this place in, like, 2021 or 2022. So, after two years, they don't have to tell you if someone passed away in the house. So, big think. Like, uh, if I would have asked if someone died in this house, they would have had to tell me. But because the two years had passed, they don't have to say anything. Anyways, there's there are laws in place because aggressive hauntings have happened. And I do want to make an episode about it because all of these laws are written and like with really weird stories behind them. Yeah. And that's interesting. Cause if you're saying like, I don't want to dismiss what you're saying, you feel you're saying there's a haunted dog in your hallway, like by all means, and there's a haunted dog in your hallway. Um, what do you call uh and then i'd be very curious to see yeah but just remember people you stay quiet long enough you hold your breath long enough you listen for sounds long enough you start hearing stuff (laughs) (laughs) probably one of like the most famous cases of like a quote-unquote satanic band is the story of mayhem mayhem yeah so um i'll i'll give my i don't even want to say stuff like that okay so yeah, Mayhem. So, for those people who don't know the band Mayhem, Mayhem, um, so the band Mayhem, um, see, it looks like they were, so the band Mayhem, starting in 1984, um, here's just a brief story for you people who don't know about Mayhem. So, they were a heavy metal band. They were, um, they they're credited as starting the black metal movement. Mm-hmm. So black metal, the difference between these heavy metals, there's heavy metal, there's death metal, there's black metal, there's doom metal, all these different things. What defines black metal? Black metal is very fast and very shrieky mm-hmm. kind of music. So when you talk about like screaming and shrieking, if it sounds like a pterodactyl, it's probably more in the black metal range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very <laughs> shrieky kind of vocals, very fast uh, guitars. I mean, all that music's pretty fast, but... Mm-hmm. So, black metal was... it. How to say? It was its own culture of people. So, the band Mayhem, they, they're infamous for starting church burnings. They're infamous for like one of the members committing suicide Mm -hmm. they're infamous that one member killed the other member and then went to prison and his final uh when they convicted him guilty uh he's on camera and he looks at the camera and he smiles Mm -hmm. that he's gonna go away to prison because he murdered the, the other band member um they 
how to say they were a cultural phenomenon where these people in this black metal movement, you know, this band was saying we got to go burn churches because, you know, fuck the churches and fuck mm -hmm. religious people and stuff. So they were committing arson and people involved in that were committing arson. Um, what do you call it? With the singer or not the singer, the one of the members committing suicide. Um he shot his head off. I think he took a shotgun, shot his head off. Mm -hmm. And what the other band members did was they took a picture mm -hmm. and they used that picture as album artwork for one of their next follow-up albums. So if you look mm -hmm. at the album, you can see a guy's head shot off. And then they wore pieces of his skull as necklaces. Mm -hmm. And so all the members had that. Um, to me, or like how to say, that was just a very like evil thing that was going on. And, you know, we say it was the black metal movement, which kind of relates it to music. And that's talking about music. But, like, these people, they were just doing evil things. Mm -hmm. It, You know, they had music as kind of a secondary thing involving mm -hmm. them. It was a way to, like, I guess, get more people involved. We're all relating to music. People relate through music. But at the end of the day... You know, it wasn't about music. It was just about these people and their ideologies and what we should be doing. We should burn the church and we should be evil and we should be satanic and that kind of stuff. But um, how to say it really makes music and heavy metal music look really bad. Again, makes mm -hmm. it look really bad. And I, I really wish that like people could see the separation between art and what these people were doing because at this mm -hmm. point these people were not doing art anymore they were just create causing crimes they were doing crimes uh and being real infamous and stuff like that and so um what do you call uh when people think about like demonic or satanic things in heavy metal music that's definitely one of the first things that people will look at mm -hmm. it's like oh they burn churches oh they they kill each other oh they do drugs they do blood rituals and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. These people that are doing those kind of things, it's not because of the music. They would be doing that anyways, if they had music or not. Mm -hmm. It's just that the music is the surface level thing that kind of got people's attention. It's like, Oh, what? This is a musical genre. Oh, this is what people do when they listen to this kind of musical genre. Mm -hmm. It's not the case. It's just what those kind of people would have done anyways. But they have music. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't know if my point's getting across, but it's I feel like, like it is it's, it's two separate things. How to say it? It's two separate things. They're one creating art. That's mm -hmm. period at the end of the sentence. Music's done. It's recorded. It's over. Then they go do those things. Mm -hmm. And it's just like people murder each other without music being an influence. I know, yeah. like there's just interpersonal conflicts that happen in their mind, and they also have like these ideologies. That, you know, I'm sure that they have some of, some of these ideologies make it to their music. But these are also, like, individuals that were, they were going through some shit. They weren't the best type of people. And I think, and I like to think that maybe they like to use that as a way to, like, promote their music. But maybe I'm wrong there. Because they're just like, this is our brand. We're fucking evil. Yeah. Like, we're, because there's... There's like a million metal genres. So like, how are you going to stand out from the, from the rest? You know, how are you going right. to be the urchin in the sea? Right. Exactly. It, a, lot, a lot of it was that too. The, the attention factor. Because mm -hmm. like we see 
Uh, when I say fine artist, I'm talking about commercial, not commercial artists, but artists that have their art in galleries. So when we talk about like fine artists, a lot of them do like crazy publicity stunts. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'd like to think they're more controlled, but a lot of times they're not because even when we talk about fine artists and painters, like they have delusions. Some of them are like, uh, there's some folks that are like openly mentally ill and like, you know, like they just, they're just trying to get their art out there. It's like the big motivator in their life and they're, they want it to be seen no matter what. And it drives them to the point of insanity. Because mm -hmm. like, how do you get your fucking shit out there? Like, it's how hard. do you get people to fucking listen to this shit? You know, you join a podcast you and you, <laughs> you promote your song as much as possible. Go listen to This Is Possession. Yeah. So, you know, it's literally, there's so many artists out there. How do you distinguish yourself from the rest? So that's one of the things that I thought was happening with Mayhem. It's like they have to market themselves as like fucking evil. Because like how else will they, will they get people to listen to it? I'm going to say on their behalf, probably not that. that Like them specifically. It was probably more just like we just are these angry youth and we want to do these things and you know, fuck industry and fuck good music. We're going to create this ugly music mm -hmm. because we're just doing the anti what anti whatever, no, whatever normal people are listening to. If I'm not mistaken too, they, you know, they did it as a rebellion towards death metal, which they were just like, yeah, death metal. All the kids in high school like death metal mm -hmm. and all of them go play death metal on the weekends with their buddies. It's just a way to hang out. But no, we actually believe in something. So we're mm -hmm. going to make our own music that shows that we're, you know, they're, they're posers. We're the real shit. And so it's funny because it's like it was how to say um, a rebellion against death metal, which was mm -hmm. already a rebellion against music you it's know just non-conformist non-conforming yeah. more non-conforming yeah. than the non-conformist bro the, the misfits from the misfits kind uh -huh. of thing you know that essentially what that um where mayhem was lying now other bands if you listen to other black metal bands that got more mainstream attention and stuff like that yeah it's a lot of it's marketing mm -hmm. a lot of it's like we put pig heads on stakes at our concerts so that you know we're more evil than everyone else and stuff but like it's at the end of the day, it's entertainment. It's, it's, what do you say? It's, it's theater. It's theater. Uh-huh. That kind of stuff. What do you call them? But, so, all this makes an, an interesting, uh. Drink your tea, baby. Yeah. Like, you can pause and drink your tea whenever you feel like, baby. So, we've touched a lot of. So we've touched a bit on satanic panic and kind of like stories that caused the the panic to start to begin with. And then talking about like heavy metal music that was under fire at the time. Um, kind of an interesting phenomenon. So this is, you know, satanic panic in the late 70s, early 80s. And it even continued through the 90s. It, it was dying down towards the 90s, but a lot of these cases of like the school, the elementary school. I think it got settled in the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, and so like the 90s was seeing the tail end of everything. Um, you know, you hear about the satanic panic and it looks back at that time period of like 40 years ago. Um, I felt recently like 
I was seeing similar patterns that were causing, to say, a modern day satanic panic. Mm -hmm. uh, a point I wanted to bring up that was funny is, um, so Little Nas X. Little, oh, yeah. Little Nas X, and he did that song. Do you know what the name of that song was? Uh, oh, look, look at it. Oh, then I'm a you could just sing the song on this. Podcast. I don't even know we the do song. That shit all the time. I don't even know that song like whatsoever. I just kind of know the beat in my head. Do 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 do. We could do the ringtone version of it. Well, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Montero. Maybe some of you saw this when this was happening. Uh, so he releases the song, and the song lyrically was about, from what I understand. Is he so little Nas X came out as gay mm -hmm. or he came out as, uh, you know, LGBT. Um, and essentially a song was about saying like, oh, you're gay, you're going to go to hell, you know, that kind mm -hmm. of that thing. So he in his own way was embracing that. It was like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to hell because I'm gay, but I'm going to be who I'm going to be. Yeah, man, I'm going to strip a pole down my way there, dude. Yeah, Don't exactly. So he, he did the music video. Where he goes to hell on a stripper pole and mm -hmm. he does a lap dance for the devil. Um, and it's just, it's kind of a funny video. It's, like, it's just well, theatrics. I, like, if you're familiar with, like, actually, I wouldn't metal. even, I wouldn't even say it's kind of funny. It is funny. Yeah. Like, it is funny. And you can totally see that it's just him kind of like middle finger to all those people saying, oh, you're going to hell. And he's like, yeah, this is kind of fun. Mm -hmm. You know? And he's doing this just real sexual lap dance for the devil and stuff like that, getting all up on him. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's just to say that, like, like, what are you going to tell me? You can't tell me anything anymore. Because, look, what are you going to say? I'm going to go to hell and stuff like that. Look where I am now. I'm literally fucking chilling right Yeah, I'm, I'm literally chilling there. I'm literally it's, trying to vibe. Yeah, it's like, there's nothing you can tell me anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, he the, Essentially what he's saying in the song or in the video and stuff. And... Uh, that video, obviously, that was going to spark up a huge lot. Because now this is demonic imagery, mm -hmm. hell, and uh, evil imagery being portrayed in a in a popular song. A pop song. It's not heavy metal. It's not screaming. It's a really catchy song. And it's blowing up the charts. Um, and it's about this. This mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so... Yeah, you know, people are going to right away freak out about that. They freak out about anything. It doesn't matter what song you put out. People are going to freak out about it. Mm -hmm. But um, People are just haters, dude. People are haters. Maybe just but hating. Then on top of that, he does the promotion with the Nike shoes. So he buy from my, what I understand, I have to keep saying what I understand because someone can fact check me on this, but pretty sure I know what I'm talking about. Um, He bought Nike shoes, so it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't a promotion from Nike. It was just an individual thing that he was doing. Mm -hmm. He bought Nike shoes and he modified them and resold them. Mm. So the Nike shoes, I he put like some like hell imagery on it. I think he had pentagrams on it. Well, I gotta I look think, this up. Gonna look I'm, gonna look up the, right I'm gonna look up the shoes. Yeah. So they had pentagrams on them. And they had like 666 and probably, I think it may have upside down crosses or maybe Leviathan cross or something like that on there. Um, oh, look at these with the dang old toes. <laughs> those are Dora the Explorer 
purple silly <laughs> feet clothes shoes. Okay, these are the shoes. Click okay. on little Nos X shoes right there. Yeah, these things are sick. Oh, Everyone, yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah, they're, they're, go go back to that image. Um, so they got a big gold pentagram on them. On the little tongue, they got an upside down cross in the sh- inside the shoe as a pentagram, and it has uh, letters. I can't see what those letters say. F M S C H. It has some letters in it. Yeah. So it's got a pentagram, and on the side, I think it has a Bible verse on it. Click on the, there's a scripture on it. Ooh, what's the scripture? Luke 10.18, 6-666. Oh, that's cute. So let's look at Luke 10.18 real oh, quick. Oh, Luke 10.18. 10.18. And he said to... Luke 10, 18, and he said to them, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. That's pretty cool. And so it's got red, it's got 666 on it, they're Nike shoes. And so the big kicker with them, even bigger kicker than this imagery, is underneath the shoe, there's these like plastic tanks underneath it. It's in the, the sole of the shoe. In that is red goo. There's red goo inside the Is it his, his blood shoe. Every shoe has one drop of human blood in Whoa. the soles. So these shoes are pretty badass, I gotta say. Like they're real metal. Um I wish I had a pair of these shoes. I would never wear them, but they're pretty badass shoes. And so and then he does like pictures with them. He takes pictures and he has like demon eyes, those like red cat eye looking things yeah, it's in like them. a red background this is something shadow the hedgehog would really appreciate these are shadow the hedgehog's actual shoes yeah. that he wore in the game <laughs> that allowed him to run as fast as sonic yeah um, but what do you call so the 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 evil shoes that he put out so not only puppy, panda doesn't puppy, like when you talk puppy, shit about shadow puppy, the hedgehog <laughs> panda is everything okay panda Panda. I was like, don't talk shit about Shadow the Hedgehog. That's his favorite Sonic character. <laughs> very, this is a very fun promotion. Yeah. So the the Satan shoes. I think they're just called Satan shoes. Um, really bad. Satan shoes. Yeah. Literally just called Satan shoes, dude. Yeah. No deep cuts there. Like no Beezlebub, no Zozo, none of those other cool secondary demons. Yeah. So, it's Satan. It's him. Yeah. Satan. So, real cool shoes. He does this promotion for shoes uh, along with this song. And, uh, I mean, obviously, it would it's going to spur up a lot because, it, first of all, it was popular. Mm-hmm. Like, if anyone else, any smaller artist would have done this, it would have been like, whatever. Like, no one would have bat an eye. No one would have ever talked about it. But because the song blew up really big, uh, that people were going to talk about it. Obviously, it's in your face. It's all over the internet, all over... TikTok, all over YouTube, all over everything. Like, I, I couldn't, even me who doesn't watch, like, about pop artists or popular artists or anything like that, me just looking at memes online, mm-hmm. this, him on the stripper pole, like, showed up in every video. That shit blew up, it blew dude. Up. I'm watching a video on Minecraft in, in the nether, and you see the stripper pole and him sliding down it in the background. Like, I couldn't watch anything without him on it, so... How to say, a cultural icon, dude. Yeah. Fucking iconic, dude. Yeah, it became iconic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, dude. And so with that, you know, people were freaking out. It, more conservative people were freaking out. Like, oh my God, they're promoting evil. They're promoting Satan. What is this? All our kids are, are uh, you know, 
getting hypnotized by this. They're they're under the spell. Uh, there our kids are gonna be influenced by Satan now, and all this stuff. And it's like it's funny because we went through this. I think they went through this. The parents, yeah, they're crying lived about this. this shit. They lived through that, uh-huh. and here it's like it's gonna happen again. And after hearing about everything that got debunked at that time, you know, no lessons were ever learned. So, satanic Panic Part 2! So, Part 2! Satanic <laughs> Panic Part 2! So, oh my god, it's happening all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people were really freaking out. This was on the news over, like, evil satanic shoes. Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking like, I can't believe we're... The marketing is so obvious. Like, it's fucking shoes. It's yeah. a product. Yeah. Like, use a little bit of critical thinking here. You know? It's literally designed to cause a stir. Yeah, it's designed to cause a stir and you're playing fully into it. Mm-hmm. And, like, you just, you know, you made this bigger than it needed to be. Um, and so, like, you know, it was just going crazy. Satanic Panic Part 2. Um, and I remember when I was young being told not to listen to like Marilyn Manson because that was evil. I fucking love Marilyn Manson. There you go. And so like I was told like don't listen to Marilyn Manson because that's really evil. And then as an adult looking at it, it's like man, this is just, this is tame. <laughs> like yeah, he's edgy but you know, people are really pushing it now. Yeah, he but, was like, doing the cross-dressing. Nothing new. He was very much taking it, a lot of inspiration from what was before him. For the time and being the icon, as big of an icon, yeah, it was, like, new to a lot of people and mm-hmm. shocking and stuff like that. But, like, looking at it now, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, hey, people have been doing this now for a long time. Like, yeah. Marilyn Manson... I mean, not to say Marilyn Manson walks or the rest this guy, of... This guy's a fucking poser, yeah, says Cross. Well, Marilyn Manson fucking sucks. Yeah, but like, <laughs> I I would say like, you know, then looking at Little Nas X over here, it's like, God, he's really pushing that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really, really hard. You know, not to say Marilyn Manson never did, but it's like at the same level, boom. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we have someone else doing it. And so, uh, what do you call... Um, when did this song come out? Montero that came out like two three years ago I'll look it up I think it's a little longer than that because that'll tie into my next point so it came out when was this uploaded 2021 yeah 2021 okay so this song came out 2021 um as we all know in US uh here in the US uh we have this huge issue with, um, what do you call? So this causing a panic, 2021, um, for you people that live in the U.S., I assume all of you. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, no, we have some, we have Brazilian viewers. Oh, Brazilian. We'll, we'll, we, have a, we have a good Brazilian following. <laughs> we'll, we'll come but, to Brazil. Yeah. So we'll talk about the political climate here is very here in the U.S., you're, I'm sure your Brazilians are doing just fine. I don't know what's happening in Brazil. I don't know. <laughs> Tell us in the comments section below. So, um, culturally, the U.S. is in like a really weird spot. We just went through a pandemic. A lot of people passed away. And we've also gone through crazy conspiracy theories, such as like Pizzagate and such. Um, we're in like a really weird place in American culture right now. And I feel like a lot of it kind of, you could see it, <clears throat> you could see like history repeating itself a little bit. All over again. Because we have, Peaks of Gate, we had this thing where like, oh, it's child sex trafficking. And when we talk about like the preschool cases, like 
it always the conspiracy always starts with like child sex trafficking because like that's bad that's everyone worst, can yeah. agree that's yeah. the worst that, thing ever that's horrible and to label someone as that like oh they're part of a sex trafficking ring mm-hmm. like that's the ultimate evil and you wouldn't really even question it you would start accusing right away mm-hmm. like you're what like who is this like no one can defend it yeah no one could defend that and so like pizza gate idea is that it, it's like um it was like democratic a, people uh-huh. uh de- de- democrats in the uh, u.s going to a pizza place in underground they have like a child sex ring Mm -hmm. and and um what do you call um the the people that are fighting against it is uh qanon which is a conspiracy group Mm -hmm. very large conspiracy group in the u.s uh that believe you know they are on the the god-given path god is guiding them Mm -hmm. to do the correct thing so it it, it's i recommend looking it all up to see what we're talking about because it's a whole mess to talk about and it gets messy really fast once you start talking about qn and and all that stuff but right now we're in the same issue where we're having these like religious fanatics and we're having a shift in cultural values we're also breaking down tradition like people are starting to look at gender in a more constructive way they're like really looking at this like when we talk about the satanic panic, we also have to remember around this time, women started going to the workplace. So, and so a lot of them had to, they had to get child services. They had to get child care. And a lot of women were made to feel guilty. They're just like, well, you know, you're not woman enough to take care of your own damn kids because the economy is, you, everyone mm-hmm. has to work. And so like the woman's role has changed. And so society changes and we're going through a lot of societal changes. And now we're looking at gender itself. And like, that's changing where people realize like, you know, people don't fit into the binary. Like some people go as far as to say like gender isn't real. And, you know, we know the Republicans lost the race against gay marriage. So now they have this new victim. They're going after the transgender people. Before them, it was the gays. Before them, it was the immigrant of the time. Before then, it was someone else. There's always some enemy. It changes every 10 years. 10 years ago, it was the gays and the Mexicans. Now we're going up against the Transgender. transgender folk. And, like... I've been watching, I've known about, like, transgender people since I was, like, young. Because there was a lot of trans folk that would be on TV, and they would Mm -hmm. talk about their experiences, and they would talk about the surgery. The surgery has existed for decades already, for a long time. Trans people have been around for a long time. We know trans, there's been, like, folks in, like, ancient, we know that there's been, like, folks in, like, ancient, um, well, there's been folks just say all throughout history. You know, we know that there's been trans folks like all throughout history. Or there's been cross dressers, there's been all of this. Like it's nothing new. Nothing new, but it's becoming more prominent because people have more I mean with like the internet and the rapid growth of social media, people have more of an understanding of one another. Mm-hmm. And so it's easier just to spread all this information out. A thing you'll hear a lot about is like Older people, much older people, uh, will say things along the lines of like, do you remember back in school we didn't have all this transgender and gay and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. You think about that? Like, they're trying to say like, oh, this doesn't really exist and it's a new made up phenomenon. But truth be told, it was always there. It's mm-hmm. just like, 
you couldn't address it. You couldn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, there was no outlet for it. Yeah. Now that there's an outlet, all of a sudden people are like, oh, what the heck? What's with all these people claiming to be trans and all this stuff? And it's just because, like, they probably always were just... They couldn't say it. They were closeted. They were closeted. There was no outlet. Now mm-hmm. there's a big outlet. So going through the satanic panic again, uh, I do believe that, you know, w- I feel like we're going to hit something big again. Mm-hmm. Um, this little Nas sex just shows that we are going to repeat history again. Because mm-hmm. that came and went. I feel like, I, you know, I didn't really see too much of the aftermath of that when I felt like... It was in the spotlight, and then the next thing, whatever showed up, was in the spotlight, and we forgot Little Nas X and the whole controversy mm-hmm. uh, behind that and stuff. I'm sure there's people that still hold on to that, but how to say, like, going further, the the point that we wanted to bring up is that um, a thing right now that I'm seeing a lot of is, so, during the Satanic Panic, saying that, oh, my kid is being uh, molested and... You know, being molested from a school. Mm-hmm. Uh, police, everyone in the news, everyone in the media took yeah. that immediately. Like, this must be true. There's no reason why you would just say these things because this is such an evil thing. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why you'd be saying these things without them being true. They must be true. Mm-hmm. So let's open an investigation. Let's start looking at that. Let's start arresting people. Let's put people in jail. All this kind of stuff. And and it blows out of proportion because more people can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I was affected by that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that happened to me. Mm-hmm. And it starts blowing out of proportion and becomes this whole phenomenon and stuff like that. Um, a thing that I'm seeing happen today that's, that's a really bad trend is like we're talking about transgender and how that's becoming more and more um, understood, more and more explained, more and more, uh, you know, What's the word? I'm, I don't want to say like research, but I want to say like more and acknowledged. More. Yeah, more and more acknowledged uh, in today's age. A point that I'm hearing, just a dismissive point of something that people are saying just to dismiss the whole transgender and everything like that is saying that it's uh, somehow it's grooming. It's mm-hmm. grooming. It's, it's pedophilia. Mm-hmm. And like, it, I think they're trying to say that like, exposing children to the potential that they could be transgender is making them like sexually active at a young age. Mm -hmm. But, you know, easy to say that like, we're not showing kids this stuff saying like, Hey kids, you can have a sex change whenever you want. You know, we're not going in elementary schools and doing that. It's just saying that like, Hey, anytime that, you know, you want to understand yourself, Mm -hmm. here's some resources, here's some things to look at. You can look at other people that went mm-hmm. through similar things. These people, they exist. So how to say, you know, this is just people finding a way to... Under- Let me rephrase that. So what we're... So we have like a lot of people involving like kids. They're just like, we have to protect the children. We have to protect it, it always, the children. It always rolls back to that. Like if they want like a good... A good uh, boogeyman. It has to target the kids in some way. Yeah, target the kids. And so we're treating this like the boogeyman and saying that, oh, the transgender is the, the new evil and, and um, what do you call it? It's pedophilia and it's grooming all our kids. Um, we, you know, I was reading about like 
some states that they were making the libraries like remove certain books that were mm-hmm. about like queer or anything like that. And yeah. they said, oh, it's grooming. It's grooming. Uh, these books are just to groom kids and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so let's remove them from libraries. And I think that's nuts that that's happening it's, today. It's another way to silence. Just like we're talking about how like heavy metal music, like it's a way to voice or give a feeling to like yeah. something that you feel, but maybe you don't want to go through with it. There's a lot of kids that they know they're queer and they don't know the words to explain it. So if we have libraries and we have books, people, media. books and media that have a way to like express that, express these feelings, then that's bad because people can't do anything that a white man can't do. I mean, yeah. nah, that's, a, that's not a good joke. Like, people good. can't go outside of what's traditional, traditional, conservative, conservative. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't <laughs> I don't know where this whole like conservative, where does it root from? Where are we trying to go back to like the 60s or the 50s? And it's like, yeah, that's true <laughs> tradition. That's where we should all be based off of. We're we're very far from no. that. Uh, the tradition that a lot of conservatives talk about is like mostly manufactured. And I say this as someone whose grandparents grew up as rural folk, like no money, just land and stuff. And a lot of these tradition traditionals are just like, oh, well, women didn't work. They only took care of their kids and they they were in like their kitchens barefoot and they never worked and they were happy this way because it wasn't labor intensive. Like women are not, they're not equipped to work and they're not equipped to do all of these things that a man is supposed to do. And like... We're so far from that. Yeah, that, first of all, that never fucking happened. Yeah, that... That was never what being... And like we're, we're talking about like housewife, that was like maybe a period of like 10 to 5 years for that ever and happened. And not every woman was that. Yeah. Women <laughs> have always worked. Yeah. Rural women have worked even harder because for them their work never ends. For yeah. like my grandma, she never had a job job, but she was tending to the hog, she was taking care of the chickens, she was taking care of kids. Like Working her in. work was never done. never done. She was constantly working and she was like a big hefty woman because she always she was always lifting things. Yeah. She was doing heavy labor. A brick house. And like these conservatives like to they like to how do you say like to look back at like rural life with like rosy eyed glasses where it's just like, oh, women in like prairie dresses and they're so cute and thin and they write letters to their girlfriends, but it's not gay. Yeah. (laughs) The time that. uh, They're like, that never happened. Never happened. Rural women were bulky. They were hardy. They were starving. They didn't have pretty skin. It was not. It was a hard life and they were hard people and like this idealized traditional view never existed once ever ever and so here we are looking like the future holds the next major satanic panic you know people are gonna look at the set like they're gonna look at the 70s and be like that was the ideal time the ideal time you guys remember war do you remember? <laughs> Do you guys remember just doing cocaine with your besties in the bathroom? In the bathroom, the back I of a van. <laughs> the 70s were the good old days. Yeah. Those were real traditional values. Oh, just do a lot of drugs and have a lot of sex, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> Everyone, like, what, the future generations are going to, like, in protest, go to celibacy. That's going to be the next thing. Because it's like, oh, the older generations were all about having sex all the time. Yeah, I doubt that's going to happen. I think everyone's going to have like triple turbo sex. Triple turbo sex? Yeah. 
that's that's what we gotta look forward to. We're not. You younger kids are lucky. You're gonna go in the generation of triple turbo sex. It's like you back in my day, we just had regular regular sex. sex. Yeah. <laughs> like you guys have a lot more options now. Yeah, back in my day, we just did it. We just did it in these three positions. Now you guys have like twelve new positions. What is this? <laughs> They got new sex! New sex! They invented sex too! Oh my god, the sequel to sex! <laughs> I haven't even finished the first one! Uh, I haven't even fir- finished the first sex, dude! <laughs> Anyways, it was great having you on here, Yay. Cross! Uh, we're gonna play you out with some of Cross's music. Can you tell the audience who you are again? I am Cross Carrasco. You can find me on Instagram under Cross underscore Carrasco, spelled C-R-O-S-S underscore C-A-R-R-A-S-C-O. You can also find me on TikTok. You can find me on Spotify, music, all that kind of stuff under the same name. YouTube. I'm on YouTube as well. Um, My band is called Placate, and our single is This Is Possession. All right. Let's play This Is Possession. Enjoy. Enjoy.